Welcome to Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 111. Our Sunday worship service for April 7th, 2019 is titled Spring Cleaning. It's the fourth in the series, Keep It Real. Miracles start when we make room. So the, uh, the scripture today. He made a scourge of cords and drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And to those who were selling the doves, he said, Take these things away. Stop making my father's house a place of business. Big deal stuff. And depending on where you went to Sunday school, you either heard this or you didn't. You felt good about it or you didn't. You went quickly over it or spent a long time on it. I'm not sure. But that moment, that thing, it appears in some of the movies about Jesus and some scrupulously avoid it because it's that moment where Jesus absolutely ruins a yard sale. Some people have strong feelings about that. But I think that the way you feel about that moment when Jesus shows up and says, this can't happen here, and more than says it, engages on it. I think that the way you feel about that moment says a lot about your relationship with Jesus Christ as a historical figure, with Jesus Christ as a teacher of your heart, and with the Christ in your life. Because for some people, they go, well, I don't like the idea of Jesus getting mad. I like Jesus that just shows up and makes everybody feel bad about stuff and then leaves. And we all get to have a meeting about how sad we are about it. But, you know, that's not how growth works. You know, i got to tell you, there's a lot of places you can go, and maybe a lot of places that you've already been, where spirituality, religiosity, God stuff, whatever you want to call it, works really good as long as everything in your life is working really good. And they go, well, you know, it's great, we can all just talk about the way that everything is awesome, and we can sit around with people who look exactly like us, and vote exactly like us, and have exactly the same amount of money as us, and we can all just kind of agree with each other about all those other people. And life is just so great inside this little walled garden that we've created together. Isn't that special? But those systems tend to break down when there's actual work to be done. How well does your belief system work when there's work to do? This is the question. Because i got to tell you, if you go to a place and you say, pastor or rabbi or teacher or shaman or whatever, just, you know, don't squeeze the shaman, whatever it says... That's cheap, but I love it. I love saying that. But anyway, if you go to the leader and you say, my life is all messed up, and they say, oh, well, you know, if you lived a healthy, spiritual, Christ-like life, your life would work, so it must be your fault. Whether they say it or they make you feel it, you're being let down. Spirituality is is supposed to apply to real life, and real life is work to be done. There's something beautiful about knowing, you know what, I'm going to get to places in my life where i got a clean house. I want something that's going to carry me through that. And the life and teachings, the example of Jesus Christ, is precisely that. Jesus shows up and says, guys, we got to do this. We've got to fix this. But you know the story. Maybe you've seen the movies where he gets in there and kicks over the tables and all of that. I love that, because there have been times in my life where that was exactly what was called for. You know the historicity of it. Maybe you know that in the gospel, according to John, it appears at the very beginning, and maybe you know that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptics, it appears very close to the end. It's at the beginning of what they call Holy Week, 
which is the beginning of the whole Good Friday thing, the beginning of the whole Easter thing. Some people even said that that's the moment when the powers that be knew that they had to put a hit out on him because he was starting to mess with people's money. I get it. But I think there's even a lesson in where it appears in the chronology because in your life, there have absolutely been times at the beginning of your journey where you decide, you know what, I'm going to do what's healthy for me. I'm going to decide on a life that makes sense to my head and my heart. I'm on this journey. I'm going to read better books. I'm going to have better conversations. I'm going to do this thing. And you put the stake in the ground, and then life immediately says, yeah, but what about all this stuff? you got to make a call. And it appears at the beginning of the gospel according to John. And then it appears very close to the end because sometimes you can be on the journey and cleaning up stuff and growing through things and going and all of a sudden you go, oh, wait a minute. What about X, Y, and Z? I got all these things together. What about this? What I'm trying to tell you is it's not just a one-time occurrence. Let's not be the kind of people that only expect to clean house once. God is infinite. Growth is infinite. There's always going to be more to do, and that's good. Don't you want to have more to do? I do. In fact, some Bible scholars, and this is as dry as I'm going to get. This is as much Bible scholarly dates and facts and figures stuff. Hang on to me. This is important. Some Bible scholars say that the fact that it appears close to the beginning in one case and close to the end in the other cases actually means that it happened a bunch of times. Some Bible scholars think that this is just a routine thing, that Jesus just kind of did this whenever he rolled into town like some kind of reverse bank robber. Oh, I'm back, guys. Guess what I'm doing? I love the idea that there's more to this. That the presence of the Christ in life is going to overturn old assumptions. That's important. So much of this stuff has to do with getting out of your comfort zone, out of what's okay with your ego, and knocking some stuff over sometimes, if needs be. There's something really important, beautiful, about deciding that it's okay whenever it happens. Because what's really being talked about is not just something in history. What's being talked about is the chemical reaction that takes place in your life when the Christ, the good idea, the connection with God, the healthy moment, the decision to be who you have always been gets mixed in with the old ways of doing things. Jesus said, this is my father's house, but you're making it a place of business. And the idea is that business is a byproduct. It's the thing that happens at the end. It's a material result of a spiritual cause. It's so easy to get caught up in the the effects and forget the cause. So something has to give. Something has to move. Something has to shift in life. To me, to get back to the place where I don't care about the business, I care about the being. What's it going to take for you? Sometimes it's easy, and sometimes some silverware has got to be spilled. Either way, it's a beautiful thing when we acknowledge that moment. But you know what? You know that already. I guarantee you. Each and every person in this room, each and every person watching on the internet, each and every person has not just one story, but probably many stories about how when you set yourself out on a path of health, a path of learning, whether or not it was a particularly spiritual thing, it could be something like being on a diet. Big or small, Every got, everybody's got multiple stories about how, you know what, I decided a thing, but then I realized that I was being challenged by it too, and I had to clean something up. I had to deal with something. Everybody's got that story. That's not unique. But what is unique about your life, 
What is unique about your moment, your growth, your whole thing is what do you do about it? Because man, oh man, I've got stories where I made the decision and I showed up and I took care of business, man. I fixed it. I loved my way through it. I'm not talking about being irritating. I'm talking about doing work. I've had victorious stories in my life where I really faced it and I really grew through it and it was really great. You do too. But look, I'm a human being. I've also got stories where I opened that door and I saw all the money changers in the courtyard and I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm willing to put up with comfort zone stuff. I'm not going to face it right now. And I backed off. Maybe you've got those stories too. What I want you to know is part of the reason for this church, part of the reason that we're here together, and part of the reason that I'm here for you is that I want to help you find ways to when you open that door, you go, you know what, whatever happens next, I'm me and God's God and we got what it takes. We can do this. I want you to find the way to move forward because that's what God wants for you. I'm here for you. We are here for one another because that's how growth happens. And I want us all to focus on the idea of of growing through stuff that needs to be grown through. I think sometimes people get the idea that self-care, which is a great couple of words, means avoiding problems. People go, I'm just doing my self-care now, so I'm not ever going to speak up. (laughs) I'm doing my self-care now, so I'm just going to participate in all kinds of weird, toxic relationships. Because self-care just means floating through and never dealing with anything. Do-do-do, and the house is burning down. Do-do-do, and you know, AA's knocking on the door. Oh no, it's all self-care. I'm just floating on a cloud of denial. It's beautiful. Come on. Self-care doesn't mean avoiding the opportunity to learn conflict resolution. Self-care doesn't mean turning tail and running. Self-care doesn't mean not facing it. Sometimes self-care means, you know what, I trust what God gave me so much that here we go. Self-care means taking it out for a spin sometimes. That's a big deal, guys. Some say that I don't like that story of Jesus and the money changers because I don't like the idea of Jesus being mad. I like a Jesus that's a walk-in guilt trip, like I said. I, I like that idea because I'm really good at feeling bad about stuff later on after I screwed up. Let me say a couple of things about that. First of all, there's nothing unspiritual about being mad. God gave you this beautiful brain and this amazing big heart and it's full of incredible feelings. If you want to be a full person, feel the feelings that you're feeling and move through them to a place of growth. Don't act like you're not mad when you're mad. Get through it. Sometimes the only way out is through. Just don't let the anger define you. It is appropriate to be angry when people's rights are taken away, when, when someone's hurting. It's appropriate to be angry when someone you love keeps doing the same dumb thing over and over again. It's appropriate to be angry in the face of injustice and pain. Just don't become the injustice and pain. It's okay to feel those feelings, but move through them. That's one thing. But the other thing is that anger isn't the only way to deal with it. You know, sometimes you move through something. It doesn't mean you've got to be mad about it. I don't know about you, but I've changed a lot of light bulbs in my life. I'm a dad. I've done some wiring. Not a good idea to have me in charge of that, but here we go. I'm a dad, so I pretend like I know how to do it. Give me the electrical tape. I'm just going to make a big old ball of it. It's going to be fine. Oh, man. But it's one of them things. But I can't tell you how many times I've changed the light bulb or put up the ceiling fan or whatever and forgot to turn the switch off, and you get that wonderful spiritual connection. 
Now, if you're smart, you move your hand away. In fact, usually you don't even have a choice. You don't think about it. It happens before you think, whoa, there we go. You feel that moment. Spirituality should not be the thing that encourages you just to hang on to it. Oh, I'm really feeling this pain, this sin, this whatever it is. Get over it. But the thing is, you move your hand back violently, with purpose, hopefully. But it's only a fool that gets mad at electricity for doing what electricity does. I'm on a diet, but there's still chocolate in the house. If I drop chocolate on the floor, the dog comes running. You know that chocolate's bad for dogs. It's poison. So you got to move fast to get the chocolate off the floor. It's only a fool that gets mad at the dog for doing what dogs do. You can get mad at cookies for crumbling, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. Literally. Get over it. It's okay if stuff happens. Just don't give it your heart. Don't identify with the anger. Identify with the solution. Pick it up. doesn't matter why. Because gravity. Who cares? Just fix it. You don't have to let it tell you who you are. And that's beautiful. Because so much of life is about putting things in right relation. Seek first the kingdom and the right useness, as we like to say around here. Use what God gave you the right way. Put things in the right relation. There are some things that stay with you forever and some things that go away. That's the water and stone thing. It's okay. In other words, keep your eye on the ball. Because it's really easy to get into something that, that feels important, that feels moving, and then start to miss the point. It's really easy to get in a loving relationship and start to buy gifts and sing songs and do the flowers and do the thing and then forget that there's a whole love part that needs to be paid attention to. And you get all wrapped up in the, I forgot to be nice or vulnerable or honest, but I bought you stuff. Ugh. Look at all the things I did for you. Who cares? Were you nice to me? It's easy to get caught up in the outer things. And in the same way, it's easy to get on a spiritual path and go, oh, I love this. This feels good. So I got to buy the Bible and I got to buy the T-shirt and I got to buy the magic beads. I got to buy the stuff. I got to buy all of the things. And I got to tell you, man, I know a lot of people who are on a spiritual path who've got all the special bumper stickers that you get. They got all kinds of stuff hanging from the rear view mirror of their car. And they come to me and they say, how come my life doesn't work? I hate everybody, but I got all these cool crystals. It doesn't matter what paraphernalia you've purchased. Whether you get them in a metaphysical New Age bookstop or whether you get them at Cokesbury, the Bible place. It doesn't matter where you buy them. What you buy can't tell you who you are. And it's easy to forget that. Zeal for the outer things, enthusiasm for the structure will take over your inner feeling. That little passage about Jesus and the money changers, the next line is, zeal for your house will consume me. And what that means is it's easy to get excited about the wrong stuff and it will consume what's in your heart. So keep your eye on the ball. I'll put that another way. God loves you and it's unearned because it's not earnable. Love happens in the same way that you don't earn gravity, you don't earn thermodynamics, you don't earn sunlight. It just is. God just loves you. But if you walk around going, oh, i got to earn this because I'm no good, how can you ever feel it? There are people in your life who just love you. But if you walk around going, well, I know you won't really love me unless I prove it with this huge to-do list of things that I did for you. They didn't ask for that. But if you keep trying to prove something that already exists, how can you ever win? You're competing with an imaginary version of that other person. Ain't fair to you. Ain't fair to them. And you can never win and you start to resent the process and things start to break down. And so I ask you, what doesn't break down in your life? Pretty sure that's where God lives.
What doesn't break down in your life? What just is? What is unearned and yet completely true? That's where God lives. Might not be a whole lot of things right now. I don't know what you're working on, but I promise it's there. Find it. Follow it. Because the thing is, no matter what, you'll get there. When I was a kid, a very long time ago, you know me, you know I grew up, my folks are ministers, my grandparents are ministers, I come by it honestly, a lot of ministers in the family, it's one of those things, grew up in church, I'm kind of a church mouse, and I knew from a very early age that it's all I ever wanted to do, it's my heart, even more than finishing donuts, I knew, that's the close second, but I knew that that's all I ever wanted to do, but the thing is, like a lot of kids, I also knew that I didn't want to do what my parents did, there's a conflict there, huh? Man, I just knew it. And part of it, you know, chalk it up to adolescent rebellion and all that. But, but part of it is I just knew that it didn't click for me. And it's no dig on my parents or my parents' generation. I just knew that the way that church had been done isn't the way that I wanted to do it. It didn't speak to me. And so I didn't know there were other options. And so I ran away from it. I went as far away from church stuff as I could. Don't even get me started on the behavior problems that I presented my parents. The only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher, man. But that's a separate issue. But anyway, I went as far as I could from it behaviorally, but I went as far as I could from it professionally. I started college at 13 because I was an overachiever. And I went in as a computer science major. It was as far as I could think to get from spiritual stuff. And I was interested in engineering and mechanics and all of that. And that's where I went. And there's nothing wrong with any of it, but the reason I chose it wasn't because it was in my heart. It was because it was as far from home as I could get. And I was fascinated with it. I gave my heart to it didn't really speak to me, but I kept trying. And I got fascinated with this idea of a perpetual motion machine. You know what that is? It's a lot. You can Google for it later. The idea that, that you would create some kind of a machine that once you got it going, it would just go forever, like a wheel where there's weights that are heavier on one side and they move over and they're lighter on the other. And there's a lot of stuff to it. But the basic idea is it's something that, that scientists and thinkers have been trying to do since the beginning of time. Da Vinci tried to do it, couldn't pull it off. Buckminster Fuller tried to do it, couldn't pull it off. At 12 years old, I thought, oh, I got this. Hubris is a wonderful thing. But I tried, and I had sketchbooks full of ideas for how you could build a perpetual motion machine that would move water around and move weights around. And gosh, if we could just do this, we could, we could do something that would power things, and it would be amazing. It would change the world. And I had all of these great ideas. And I couldn't build it right, but I thought maybe it's the materials. And I tried all kinds of stuff. You know how you get an idea and you just chase it down, even though it's the wrong idea, you just ride it right into the ground? Isn't it wonderful? It is proof that the universe is a good place, because sooner or later you will get to a place where your dumb ideas tell you how dumb they are, and you just move on. Easy way or hard way, we grow. That's proof that the world is good. One day I was... In Los Angeles, California, I was on a family trip. My folks were at a church conference, and I, was, I had some time to myself. And like I said, I think I was 13, 14, and I was just messing around. And I was at this museum, a science museum, and they had a whole display about thermodynamics and about how perpetual motion machines don't work. <laughs> and literally, there was all these displays, and it was everything I had ever sketched out. It was like that song, Killing Me Softly. <laughs> oh, man. It was just like, oh... And it was just like, ha-ha, how foolish it would be that people used to think that. And I was like, oh, that's me, come on. And I kind of wanted to stand in front of the glass. It felt very private. 
But I realized how foolish I had been. Here's this museum built around the idea that it can't work that way because thermodynamics, the, the, the rule of the physical universe is the energy you put in is always going to be greater than what you get back out because things wear down. There's little bits of friction between the parts. And I won't bore you any more than I already have, but the basic idea is it don't work that way. And I was really bummed out about it. Now, what I realize now, looking back, is that I had just been chasing infinity. Each and every person is designed for that. Each and every person is born with free will, but also a yearning for something bigger, something infinite, something that can't ever stop. It's just that we look in the places that we're comfortable with looking instead of in the places we ought to look. So I was in my comfort zone, but it took me looking like an idiot to realize that I needed to look in another place. But people look in all kinds of places. They look in inventions. They look in possessions. If only I, I owned more things, then I would feel okay with the idea that I don't know what's happening next. I can cope with infinity by buying stuff. In the history of humanity, that has not worked so well. And maybe there's not one specific museum about it, but there's a lot of channels that have shows about it. Whether you go with the depressing housewives of whatever it is, to the hoarding shows. I don't think that's what they're called, but it might as well be. And, and whatever it is, the idea that you can't get there with that. There are those people that try to chase infinity through their achievements. And once again, they say to the other person, look at all of the things I did for you. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't I worth love now? Well, if you weren't to start with, you aren't now. It doesn't matter how shiny your shoes are. You know, It doesn't work that way. Things break down. But you know what? That's the test. Here's the thing. If it can break down, it's not the thing you're supposed to be paying attention to. People ask me all the time, how do I know what I'm supposed to look at? You tell me to keep my eye on the ball. Where's the ball? How do I know if I'm supposed to focus on it or if I'm supposed to just let God handle it? How do I know if it is a material concern or a spiritual concern? Because sometimes the line is blurry. How do I know? In the material universe, things tend towards slowing down. Thermodynamics, entropy, call it what you want. In the spiritual world, things tend to speed up. Love does not obey the laws of thermodynamics. Ask yourself in your life, what are the things that crave inertia and rest? And what are the things that crave growth and revolution? And you'll start to know what the right things to think about are. What are the things that pick me up? What are the things that move me forward? That's where God has been calling you the whole time. Your birth is a thermodynamic miracle. It is such a waste of energy to make a child. They're a pain in the neck. They, they're not ready to forage for nuts and berries right away. You've got to deal with them for at least 12 years before they're self-sufficient, right? Just biologically speaking. And yet we do it. Your birth is a thermodynamic miracle. And it says a lot about how the, de the deck is stacked for you. Obey the thing that moves forward because that's where love lives. Yeah, I know the, the money changers thing. It seems like an economic thing, but that's incidental. What it's really about is transactional relationships. The idea that I can do something special for God, and if I know the special dance, God will do a special dance for me, and now we're dancing together, and life works. Well, it doesn't work that way. The idea that if through special knowledge or special possessions that I can influence God to start liking me is elitist, it's pagan, it's weird. It makes a weird idea of God. And it just doesn't work. So what does work? What does work? 
what is unearned in your life. Make a big claim for God because God has made a big claim on you. You were born. Make a big claim for God, but back it up. That's what the miracle is about. That's what the story is about. Back up what you say. It's not enough, in other words, to go, God loves me and I am a well-prospered child of God, but then be afraid about every single little thing. It's not enough to go, God says, Jesus says, God is our Father and everybody is my brother and sister, but I really don't like those people with that color skin. You don't get to do that anymore. All the way or nothing. Just like the t-shirt says. You have to decide how far you're willing to go. In the story, I love it that Jesus opens the door and there's all these weirdos. It's like a food court going on in there. And in the story, Jesus just sits down and takes a minute and deliberately makes that scourge of small cords. The idea that I'm going to have something that's going to deal with every single person, every single animal, every single whatever it is. The lesson for you and me is get specific. It's not enough to make the bold, big statements that you don't back up. Do you love everybody? Then you better love everybody. Do you trust God? Then find ways to get done with fear. I know it's a process, but start working on it. Get specific. Each and every little small cord is way better than some big statement that you don't really back up with your actions. Instead of making the big things, can you make small claims that feel true to you right now and build up to the big things? You were programmed for infinity. You were built to yearn for it. The truth of your life is an amazing, big, giant miracle. And that feels like a lot. But let me tell you, man, you have been called to this. you got no choice. And sooner or later, maybe today, maybe right now, you're going to walk into a situation where you got a clean house. And maybe there was a time in the past where you walked away from it because you didn't know you had what it took. You didn't know if you could do it. You didn't know what self-care or love or, or courage really meant. Maybe you backed off from it, from the work that you need to do. But I'm here to tell you, not anymore. There's too much to do. Not anymore. You are no longer the kind of person that's going to back away from the work that needs to be done by you. Not anymore. Because the love in you is stronger than anything going on outside of you. Not anymore. It is time to stand up for what is right. It is time to love so loudly that fear just isn't an option for you anymore. It's time to be the difference, not make the difference. Be the difference in your life. It's time for you to be free from all the other stuff, all the fear, all the doubt, all the old ideas. It's time for you to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this Sunday lesson and also for taking the time to apply this in your life. Listening to the service and participating in that way is just half of the equation. The other half, and in some ways the most important half, is what you do about it. So I'm so grateful that we're hearing so many good things from people who are applying these principles in their lives to make their lives better and in some way to make their world better. And with that in mind, I want to remind you that this Easter series of lessons has all kinds of special things you can do to get ready for Easter, to get done with the stuff that you've been waiting so long to get done with, and to move into a life that works for everybody. 
And to do that, we've been uh, allowing all kinds of extra stuff, not just the Sunday morning lesson, but we've got activities for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. To find out more about these things and their simple steps that you can apply in just a few minutes that's going to turbocharge your healing and growth process. It's going to really be impactful in your life in all kinds of ways. To find out more about that, please follow us on social media. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and so on. Please find out about what you can do. Or just send me an email at info at waterandstonechurch.com. Check out our website, waterandstonechurch.com, to find out more about the amazing things that are going on that are going to make an amazing difference in your life. As always, if you want to help support what we're doing, uh, all you got to do is visit waterandstonechurch.com slash donate. There's all kinds of ways you can give electronically or you can shop at Amazon in such a way that it benefits the church. We've got an Amazon wish list of all kinds of stuff that's going to help us do what we want to do. And the last thing on that page is what I want to be the first thing in your heart, and that is to support this church. The best things you can do are show up, and help spread the word. So if this has made a difference in your life today, I hope you'll tell somebody else about it too. We're here for you at Water and Stone. Let us know how it goes for you. Have a great, amazing day.